You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2023 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. I want to invite you to bow your heads as we pray. Father in heaven, we come before your awesome throne in the all-powerful name of Jesus, because we know that when we come in the name of Jesus, you incline your ear to hear. We ask that you will be with us as we open your holy word. Speak to our minds and speak to our hearts and transform us through the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. The book of Revelation tells us that Lucifer was successful in deceiving one-third of the angels of heaven. So his methods of deception must have been very, very strong. And then, of course, we know that Satan tempted Eve, Eve Adam, and that's why we're here today. The big question is, what methods did Satan use to deceive our progenitors. In the present study, we are going to attempt to determine Satan's methods in deception. I want to begin by reading a statement that we find in manuscript releases, volume 10, and page 162. This is how it reads. If the angels were deceived, by Lucifer's ingenious methods of misrepresenting God, if Adam and Eve were deceived by his declaration that God was withholding from them the higher education that would make them as gods, is there not danger that men today will be deceived? Please read the first chapter of Patriarchs and Prophets and see if the precious truths contained in this book are not given by the Lord to protect his people from, de from deceptions that are urged upon them just now. There's something special about studying the first chapter of Patriarchs and Prophets which is a description of the origin of evil in heaven. So what we want to do is go back to the Garden of Eden and examine the methods that Satan used to deceive Eve and then through Eve to tempt and lead, lead Adam into sin. God created Adam and Eve with every spiritual and physical blessing. He gave them fresh air, radiant sunshine, luxuriant emerald green fields, luxuriant plants, fragrant flowers, luscious fruit, delicious sweet water, animal companions, human companions, angel companionship. And Adam and Eve had the privilege of having face-to-face -face communion 
with their creator. God, by giving all of this to Adam and Eve, was revealing his love to them. Adam and Eve did not earn any of this. It was a sign of God's unmistakable love for them. But God hoped that they would return that love, that they would reciprocate that love. You see, love is a choice. God cannot order people to love him. God did not create man to be a puppet. He created him with the capacity of reciprocating God's love. God, the lover, wanted a response from Adam and Eve. And of course, they had to choose to respond to God's love. Thus, we find the covenant formula already in the Garden of Eden. What is the covenant formula? It is, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. But God decided to place a test in the Garden of Eden. I call this a test of love. Adam and Eve had to choose to show their love for God. And so God placed a tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in the garden to test the love and loyalty of Adam and Eve to him. You know, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so God, by placing the tree in the garden, was saying, if you love me, you will not eat from the tree. You will keep my command. Let's read about that command in Genesis chapter 2 and verses 15 through 17. Genesis 2, 15 to 17. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Let me ask you, was God's command clear? There was nothing ambiguous about it. His command was clear. Was his command simple? Yes, it was not complex. God did not give them a long list of rules and regulations. Just one prohibition for them to show their love and loyalty toward him. Was the command easy to obey? Of course. If they were hungry, they could have eaten from any of the trees of the garden. So the command was simple, clear, and easy to obey. Now there's a very important point in the story that we find in Genesis 1 and 2. And that is that Adam and Eve, as evidence that they love God, were to obey God's command without explanations or without God giving them any reasons. Now, God told them what the consequences would be if they ate from the tree. But God did not tell them 
what was in that specific tree, why God forbade it to them. So God expected to, them to obey without any explanations. He wanted unquestioning obedience to his command as an evidence of their love for him. Ellen White wrote in Patriarchs and Prophets, page 53, the following words. Should they attempt to investigate its nature, that is the nature of the tree, they would be exposed to his wiles. They were admonished to give careful heed to the warning that God had sent them and to be content with the instruction that he had seen fit to impart. Don't ask me why you can't eat from this specific tree that according to Ellen White looked like just uh, the other trees. It was just as beautiful. Simply take me at my word and don't eat from the tree. No explanations, no reason given. But yes, the consequences if they ate from the tree. Furthermore, we find in the Genesis story that God defined what is good and what is evil. God was the arbiter, if you please, of good and evil. The standard of right and wrong was not internal, but external. In other words, God defined what was good and what was evil. This is totally contrary to postmodern thinking, where the idea that you can define good and evil is not given objectively by God, but comes subjectively from your own heart. So we're going to find that Satan was the first postmodern, if you please, in the history of this world. Actually, Satan had already used this argument in heaven. The argument that the definition of right and wrong does not come from outside in an objective source from God, but comes from inside that you define good and evil yourself. He used the same argument for the angels in heaven. Notice Great Controversy, page 499. He, that is Lucifer in heaven, reiterated his claim that angels needed no control, but should be left to follow their own will, which would ever guide them right. He denounced the divine statutes as a restriction of their liberty and declared that it was his purpose to secure the abolition of law that freed from this restraint the hosts of heaven might enter upon a more exalted, more glorious state of existence. He used the argument. Angels don't need an external source of right and wrong. They can decide this on their own. They need no control. Their own will will always lead them to what is right. Now, God had warned Adam and Eve that a powerful angel had fallen from heaven and that he was going to come to the garden to try and convince them to eat from the forbidden tree. Now, Eve thought, well, if this angel comes from heaven and tries to convince me to eat from this tree, immediately I'm going to know 
that this is the angel that God spoke to us about. And so Satan could not appear as an angel of light. Let me ask you, can Satan transform himself into an angel of light? The Bible says yes. But if he came as an angel, he would detect him immediately. So he had to use camouflage. He had to use deception. He had to hide his true identity. Patriarchs and Prophets, page 53, Ellen White wrote, Had she been addressed, had Eve been addressed, by a being like the angels, her fears would have been excited. But she had no thought that the fascinating serpent could become the medium of the fallen foe. And so Satan used camouflage. He hid himself by using a serpent because he knew that Eve was expecting an angel. Now we're going to find in our study that Satan used five methods to lead Eve into sin and then through Eve, Adam. The first thing that Satan did was to perform a counterfeit miracle. Is Satan going to use miracles at the end of time to deceive the world? Yes, signs and wonders were told in Matthew chapter 24 to deceive, if possible, even whom? Even the elect. So he performed a counterfeit miracle. You say, what was the counterfeit miracle that he performed in the Garden of Eden? Well, let's read Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made And he said to the woman, let's stop there for a moment. Can serpents speak? I assure you that if you went to a serpentarium and you were looking into a cage where there was an anaconda and the anaconda lifted its head and said, good afternoon, you would be out of there in a hurry. Serpents don't speak. However, Satan made it look like the serpent was speaking. That is a counterfeit miracle. Eve knew that God had not given the serpent the ability to speak. This is where the temptation actually begins. Notice this statement from Spirit of Prophecy, Volume 1, page 35. But Eve was amazed, for she knew that God had not given the serpent the power of speech. She knew it. God did not give the serpent the ability to speak, and now the serpent is speaking. So in her mind, she's beginning to wonder, why did God lie to us? How did the serpent learn to speak? are the thoughts that are coming to her mind. Ellen White vividly described the encounter of Eve with the serpent in the Garden of Eden. Notice this passage from Patriarchs and Prophets, page 53. The fruit was very beautiful, the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And she questioned 
This is before she begins a dialogue with the serpent, with Satan. She questioned with herself why God withheld it from them. So she's there under the tree. She's looking at the tree. Why did God forbid us to eat from this particular tree, which is very beautiful, and the fruit is very beautiful? She continues, Now was the tempter's opportunity. As if, very important expression, as if he was able to discern the workings of her mind, as if the serpent was able to discern the workings of her mind, he addressed her. Yea, hath God said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Eve was surprised and startled as she thus seemed to hear the echo of her thoughts. So now she's saying to herself, not only can the serpent speak, but the serpent can read my thoughts. But the serpent did not read her thoughts. We're going to see in a moment. So once again, Eve was surprised and startled as she thus seemed to hear the echo of her thoughts. Her thoughts were, why did God forbid us to eat from this tree? However, the serpent continued in a musical voice with subtle praise of her surprise, of surpass, her surpassing loveliness. And his words were not displeasing. Flattery will get you everywhere. Instead of fleeing from the spot, she lingered wonderingly to hear a serpent speak. Was the serpent actually able to read her thoughts? The answer is no. Notice the explanation provided in the Review and Herald, February 24, 1874. Eve was not aware that she had revealed her thoughts by conversing to herself. So she came to the tree. I wonder why God told us not to eat from this tree. Eve was not aware that she had revealed her thoughts by conversing to herself aloud. Therefore, she was greatly astonished to hear her queries repeated by a serpent. She really thought the serpent had a knowledge of her thoughts, and it must be very wise. So what has happened up to this point? Both the fruit and the serpent were beautiful. The serpent was eating the fruit, according to the spirit of prophecy, and not dying. The serpent was able to talk. So she's saying, how did he learn? The serpent's voice was musical and pleasant to hear. The serpent flattered her because of her beauty. And she thought the serpent could read her thoughts. You see, the temptation was a process. It was not a momentary event. It was a process. So the first method that Satan used was to perform a counterfeit miracle. Now let's go to the second method that Satan used. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, once again. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed, that means, did God really tell you, you shall not eat 
of every tree of the garden? What is the serpent doing? Misquoting God's word. He is adulterating God's word. Because God had not said that they could not eat from every tree of the garden. God had said that they could not eat from this particular tree. Correct? Now, did the serpent know the command that God had given to Adam and Eve? Did he know what God had said to Adam and Eve? That they couldn't eat from this particular tree? Of course. So did the serpent know that Eve knew? Of course. And so both the serpent and Eve knew what God had said. So why did the serpent, why did Satan misquote God's word knowing that Eve knew what God had really said? The reason is simple. He wanted to start a conversation. There's no better way to start a conversation than by making a wrong statement. For example, if I said to you, this coat is red. I'm sure immediately you would say, see, I, I see you say, mm-mm, mm-mm. If I make a misstatement, the, the natural reaction of a human being is to want to what? Is to want to correct the wrong statement. The serpent wants Eve to start a conversation with him, in other words. And so Eve immediately enters into controversy. Eve says, oh, 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 I'm going to correct you now. You got it wrong. Notice Genesis 3, 2 and 3. And the woman said to the servant, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. In other words, you've made an inaccurate statement. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. That's not what God had said, by the way. But she's, she's trying to defend the honor of God. She says, God said, don't eat it and don't touch it. Eve went beyond what God had told them. She's adding to God's word. In other words, notice the book Confrontation, page 14. This is a small book that came out recently, uh, writing of Ellen White. Eve had overstated the words of God's command. He had said to Adam and Eve, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Eve, in Eve's controversy with the serpent, she added, neither shall ye touch it. So the serpent is misquoting God's word and Eve is adding to God's word. And Ellen White states that at that moment the serpent plucked a fruit from the tree, put it in the hands of Eve and said, see, you're touching it and you're not dying. And then the serpent says to Eve, you didn't know that serpents could speak, did you? And he was thinking, well, no, I didn't know. So the serpent is saying, uh, do you want to know how I learned to speak? Notice once again, Patriots and Prophets, page 54. Are you understanding the process? I thank God for the spirit of prophecy, which fills in the gaps and helps us see the methods that Satan used. 
because they're the same methods that he's going to use at the end, and he is using now. Patriarchs and Prophets, page 54. By partaking of this tree, he, that is Satan, the serpent, declared they would attain to a more exalted sphere of existence and enter a broader field of knowledge. He himself had eaten of the forbidden fruit and as a result had acquired the power of speech. Oh, Eve is now. What is the serpent trying to do? He's trying to shake the confidence and trust of Eve in God, particularly in the Word of God. The third method that Satan used was to lead Eve to follow her impressions, her intuition, her feelings, and her logic. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 4. The most dangerous lie that Satan has ever told. Genesis 3 verse 4. The serpent now has Eve where he wants her. She's defended the honor of God. And she said, God has said that if we eat from this tree, we're going to die. And then Satan, the serpent, says, you will not surely die. God is lying to you. And what is he thinking? Why did God lie to us? You see, now Eve has what is called cognitive dissonance. A very simple word is confusion. Her mind is confused. God has said that if we eat of the fruit of the tree, we're going to die. But now the serpent says, you will not surely die. The serpent boldly insinuated that God was lying to them. And Eve, Eve wanted to know the reason why God had lied to them. And Satan knew that Eve wanted to know that. You see, Satan has the uncanny ability to plant questions in our minds and then to provide the answer to the question that he planted in our mind. So Eve is thinking, if we're not going to die, why did God say that we're going to die? What ulterior agenda could God have? So Satan plants the question, why did God lie to us? And then he provides the immediate answer to the question that he planted. Genesis 3 verse 5. For God knows. You see, Eve, God knows something that he doesn't want you to know. God knows that in the day that you, eat it, that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. Now, folks, Eve had 20-20 vision, physically. The serpent is not saying suddenly you were blind and now you're going to see physically. In the Bible, eyes represent wisdom and understanding. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18, it speaks about the eyes of your understanding. When God called Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul, to be a messenger to the Gentiles, God said, I'm going to send you to open the eyes of the Gentiles. And of course, what animal today is a symbol of wisdom? An owl. Why? Because the owl has big eyes. 
Right? And so what is he saying? He's saying, God wants you to be blind to a certain reality that he has not revealed to you. He didn't tell you why you can eat from this tree, right? Are you understanding this process? God had not explained the reason why they couldn't eat from that tree. And now, Satan is explaining in his mind the reason why. So he says, For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open, your understanding will be open, you'll gain wisdom that God didn't want you to have because he wanted you to, to be blind, and you will be like God. Not like God in every sense, but like God in a particular way. And you will be like God, what? Knowing good and evil. You don't have to depend on God to know what is good and evil. If you eat from the tree, you will be able to define good and evil yourself without obeying God's explicit command. So what the serpent is saying is God is hiding some valuable information from you. He has an agenda. He wants you to render him blind service. He does not want you to know the real reason why he told you not to eat from the tree. God keeps secrets, and there is an agenda behind his secrecy. At this point, Eve is thinking to herself, tell me more. What is God hiding? Tell me the reason why God threatened that we would die if we're not going to really die. I want to know. Notice what Ellen White wrote in Patriots and Prophets, page 54. And he insinuated, the serpent insinuated, that the Lord jealously desired to withhold it from them, lest they should be exalted to equality with himself. So what does he say? At some point in the past, God ate from this tree and it gave him his God powers. But after he got his God powers, he didn't want anybody else to have them. And so he intimidated with the idea that if they ate from the tree, they were going to die. But really his fear was that they would have the same powers that he had. Let me complete the statement. He insinuated that the Lord jealously desired to withhold it from them, lest they should be exalted to equality with himself. It was because of its wonderful properties, imparting wisdom and power that he had prohibited them from tasting or even touching it. He's repeating what she had said. The tempter intimated that the divine warning was not to be actually fulfilled. It was designed merely to intimidate them. Lucifer had already done this in heaven. Notice Patriarchs and Prophets, page 37. Speaking about Lucifer in heaven, he began to insinuate doubts concerning the laws that governed heavenly beings, intimating that though laws might be necessary for the inhabitants of the worlds, Angels, being more exalted, needed no such restraint, for their own wisdom was a sufficient guide. 
You will know good and evil. God doesn't have to tell you what is good and what is evil. That's why this is the first postmodern of human history. He's saying that the standard of right and wrong is not outside of you in the word of God. The standard of right and wrong comes from within. You define what is right and what is wrong. Is the world uh, categorized like this today? Absolutely. The standard in the world today is inside. So everything the serpent is saying is logical. It, It... appeals to her impressions and her feelings and her emotions and logic, but it's false logic. It appears logical, but it's based on a lie. Now let's go to the fourth method. Satan led Eve to follow the testimony of her five senses. Had she heard the words of the serpent? Her ears are involved. Did she see the fruit and it was beautiful? Yes. Did it look tasty? Yes. Did she touch it? Yes. And so she's using her senses and she's saying, nothing is happening. It looks good. It looks tasty. I hear that it can give me wisdom. Satan is trying to lead her to follow the testimony of her senses. It says in Genesis 3, verse 6, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, see, her eyes are involved. Her ears up to this point have been involved as well. That it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. This reminds me of the story of Joseph and Samson. You know, when Potiphar's wife, who according to uh, Prophets and Kings uh, was was very beautiful, tried to entice Joseph to commit adultery with her, what did Joseph say? He said, how can I commit this act and sin against God? What was the standard of Joseph's decision? God's command. You shall not commit adultery. But then on the other hand, we have Samson. Never saw a woman he didn't like. So he sees this beautiful Philistine woman. Says to his parents, as was the custom, uh, you know, um, get her for me. And do you know the reason he gives? Get her for me. Because she has pleased my eyes and it cost him his eyes because they were poked out. There's a lesson there. Samson followed what his eyes said, what his heart said, what his emotions said. Joseph obeyed the explicit word of God and ignored the testimony of his senses when it contradicted the word of God. Ellen White wrote, Eve really believed the words of Satan, but her belief did not save her from the penalty of sin. She disbelieved the words of God, and this was what led her to her fall. In the judgment, men will not be condemned because they conscientiously believed a lie, but because they did not believe the truth. 
because they neglected the opportunity of learning what is truth. Notwithstanding the sophistry of Satan, to the contrary, it is always disastrous to disobey God. We must set our hearts to know what is truth. All the lessons that God has caused to be placed on record in his word are for our warning and instruction. They are given to save us from deception. Their neglect will result in ruin to ourselves. Whatever contradicts God's word, we may be sure proceeds from Satan. So the issue at the beginning is the word of God and the word of Satan. You see, the issue at the beginning is far more than a tree. By not eating from the tree, Eve would be obeying God's authority, the authority of his word. If she ate from the tree, she would be rejecting the authority of God who gave the command. It is the same test that will come at the end. Only the difference is it won't be a tree, it will be a day. You see, the issue is not one day versus another. The issue is if you keep the Sabbath, you are obeying God's authority who commanded to keep the Sabbath. If you observe Sunday, you are obeying the command of the power that claims to have changed the day of worship. It is the identical trial at the end of time. Only, the only difference is a day versus a tree. Let's go to the fifth method. Once Satan gains the victory over people, he uses those people to tempt other people. Notice what Ellen White wrote in Patriots and Prophets, page 56 and 57, regarding Adam. Let's talk now about Adam. Love, gratitude, loyalty to the Creator, all were overborne by love to Eve. She was a part of himself, and he could not endure the thought of separation. He did not realize that the same infinite power who had from the dust of the earth created him a living, beautiful form and had in love given him a companion could supply her place. He resolved to share her fate. If she must die, he would die with her. And now notice how your reasoning powers, when they're not under the control of the Holy Spirit, can lead you astray. She continued, after all, he reasoned. Might not the words of the wise serpent be true? By the way, they did not become naked until after Adam sinned. I won't get into the theology of that, but that's significant. Eve was before him as beautiful and apparently as innocent as before this act of disobedience. If she had lost her light, that would not be true. She expressed greater love for him than before. Oh, Adam, I love you more than ever. No sign of death appeared in her, and he decided to brave the consequences. He seized the fruit and quickly ate. Do you know what Adam's sin was? He loved the gift more than the giver. 
He loved Eve more than he loved God. Satan's fifth method is to lead people to lead other people astray. Let me just read this statement. Great Controversy, page 595. Satan is constantly endeavoring to attract attention to man in the place of God. He leads the people to look to bishops, to pastors, to professors of theology as their guides instead of searching the scriptures to learn their duty for themselves. Then, by controlling the minds of these leaders, in other words, of bishops, pastors, professors of theology, none of the pastors in the Michigan Conference. By controlling them, he can influence the multitudes according to his will. We cannot trust the word of anyone that is not in harmony with what God says in his word. It's simple. You know, Eve should have said, you know, <laughs> what you say seems reasonable. The fruit looks good. And your, your logic appears to be correct. I didn't know that serpents could speak. I know that you know some things about God's word. There's only one problem. God said, don't eat. And we live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Period. Our only protection is in studying and obeying the word of God. You know, spiritualism is going to be a method that Satan is going to use to deceive at the end of time. Ellen White wrote in Great Controversy, page 552, Satan has power to bring before men the appearance of their departed friends. The counterfeit is perfect. What is a perfect counterfeit? It's when even the government cannot detect a counterfeit $100 bill. The counterfeit is perfect. The familiar look, the words, the tone are reproduced with marvelous distinctness. Many are comforted with the assurance that their loved ones are enjoying the bliss of heaven and without suspicion of danger, they give ear to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Have you ever heard of the acid test? We need to put things to the acid test. Let me explain what the acid test is. The acid test is when you want to determine whether a metal is gold or not. When you put a drop of a strong acid on any metal other than gold, it fizzles. But when you put the acid on the gold, it doesn't fizzle. So you have an external test that shows to you whether a metal is gold or not. The test is decisive, immediate, cheap, simple, and trustworthy. You can't depend on it looking like gold, biting it, you know something, biting it to see if it's gold, or it feels like gold. No. If you go by those standards, 
you must, might just have fool's gold. I want to end by reading a couple of statements from the Spirit of Prophecy. Great Controversy 593. The last great delusion is soon to open before us. Antichrist is to perform his marvelous works in our sight. So closely will the counterfeit resemble the true that it will be impossible to distinguish between them except by the Holy Scriptures. By their testimony, every statement and every miracle must be tested. We used to be a people of the book. Now we are a people of the iPhone. We are the people of the internet. And we waste hours and hours and hours texting. Many times nonsense. I'm not saying that this technology is bad. But we waste hours and hours and hours. People ask me, they say, what do you do when you take a long flight? I have my computer. I'm writing sermons. I'm writing studies. That's what we need to do, folks. We need to get back to the Bible. We need to study the Bible. We need to practice the Bible. We need to plead for the power of the Holy Spirit to plant the Word in our hearts that we might not sin against the Lord. Ellen White wrote in Great Controversy, page 624 to 626, that Satan is going to personate the second coming of Christ. And everyone except the elect is going to believe that he is Christ. In this context, Ellen White wrote, only those who have been diligent students of the scriptures, not only diligent students of the scriptures, and who have received the love of the truth, will be shielded from the powerful delusion that takes the world captive. By the Bible testimony, these will detect the deceiver in his disguise. To all, the testing time will come. By the sifting of temptation, the genuine Christian will be revealed. Are the people of God now so firmly established upon his word that they would not yield to the evidence of their senses? Would they in such a crisis cling to the Bible and the Bible only? Satan will, if possible, prevent them from obtaining a preparation to stand in that day. He will so arrange affairs as to hedge up their way, entangle them with earthly treasures, cause them to carry a heavy, wearisome burden that their hearts may be overcharged with the cares of this life and the day of trial may come upon them as a thief. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org slash audio2023 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcast.